Hello, welcome to the Playcube Gamecast. I'm your host, Chase, and today I'm talking to you about Castlevania Circle of the Moon. This was a GBA launch title. It came out in Japan March 21st, 2001, North America on June 11th, 2001, and in Europe almost 11 days later. It also came out to the Switch, Xbox One, PS4, PC, September 23rd, 2021. Now, this game's developer was Konami Computer Entertainment Kobe, which is best known for Castlevania Nintendo 64 and Legacy of Darkness. It's nice to see them step away from the 3D Castlevania games to work on a nice 2D Metroidvania style. Sadly, they also got dissolved the next year, so they didn't really make anything else after that. The publisher themselves is Konami. You might know them, you might not. They're best known for Silent Hill, Contra, Beat Mania, Metal Gear Solid, and uh, Dance Dance Revolution. And in 2015, they gave up on gaming and focused pretty much solely on pachinko machines, which is the Japanese form of gambling, and also a huge market. I'm talking like in 2015, the pachinko gambling machine generates more revenue than Las Vegas, Macau, and Singapore combined. So yeah. Konami has pretty much pachinko machines based on all of their big IPs, including a very insulting Silent Hill Escape in 2019. Now let's move on to the actual story of the game. The year is 1830. Your main character, the person you're playing as, is a white-haired man named Nason Graves. Alongside him is his mentor, Morris Baldwin, and fellow trainee and rival, Hugh Baldwin, who's also Morris's son. Now, Morris named Nathan the true superior vampire hunter and gave him the hunter whip, which Hugh took as a huge insult. And in this fateful night, they storm Carmilla's castle. Camilla, Carmilla. It should be Carmilla, but in this game it's Camilla. Anyway, they storm Camilla's castle as she attempts to revive Dracula. Dracula here reminds me of a long-haired, goateed version of the dude. <laughs> the dude in an overcoat. Anyway, so dude Dracula turns the tables on our vampire hunting trio, kidnaps Morris because he was there to banish him in the back a couple decades ago, and he drops Nathan and Hugh straight into the Shadow Realm. I'm sorry, it's just down a very long tunnel to the very deep catacombs underneath this castle because it's a fucking huge castle. Hugh ditches Nathan almost immediately and Nathan proceeds to search the large castle for his mentor and for some better gear, occasionally defeating bosses and monsters along the way and saving a Hugh a few times as well, which only increases Hugh's hostility towards Nathan. Eventually you defeat the Grim Reaper, who's only here on contract, make your way to Camilla, who's casually mentioned that she and Dracula were responsible for darkening Hugh's heart, right before turning into a giant naked pink winged demon riding a massive skull with bony dreadlocks and shooting dark lasers out of you. After you start, after you whip her to death, Nathan confronts Hugh, who attacks him almost immediately to prove himself as a superior vampire hunter, but Nathan defeats him almost immediately. Dracula's control over Hugh breaks, and then he gives Nathan the key to Dracula's ceremonial room. Nathan goes to the ceremonial room to confront Dracula, who is this close to tapping into Morris's soul for that return to full, full power. After fighting Dracula for a bit, he flees, or teleports away to gain full power. 
Hugh arrives to free his father and tells Nathan to finish the fight. Nathan hops into a portal to the hellscape and fights a 20-foot-tall demon version of Dracula. In the end, Nathan succeeds, collapsing Camilla's castle and reunites with Morris. Hugh also vows to retrain and Nor Nathan is named the Master Vampire Hunter. This story is very bare bones, alright? It has everything you need. Dracula Resurrection, bunch of monsters, a dude with a whip. As for the other characters, you have the rival Hugh. He doesn't really add much to the story. He's just a dude who gets uh, mad that you're better than him. You have Morris Baldwin, who's supposed to be a callback to the Dracula novel, a la Quincy Morris, which would make sense, except Morris is here as his first name and not his last name. So that's a thin line at best. Now, the gameplay itself is a classic Metroidvania. You search and destroy and you get power-ups to explore more of the map. Heck, the first power-up you get in this game is the ability to run. Before that, you have Nathan Graves doing the trademark Belmont walk, but when you double-tap your running button, boom! You finally learn how to pick up the pace. The castle has plenty of hidden rooms. Sometimes they're not so obvious, but after my third playthrough of the game, I started to recognize these subtle tales that a wall is breakable like a dark smudge or a pixel-sized chunk missing. You get rewarded with a bunch of health and magic and heart increases, but since there's no money, no shop, and potions are a rare drop-off, maybe like 30 or so different enemies out of hundreds, you're going to need every increase you can get. Looking up a map online is heavily encouraged by me just so you could find a hidden room or a hallway because there are plenty. But if you're not stuck with a whip, but, you are not just stuck with a whip and classic sub-weapons, aka boomerang cross, that slowly run off the hearts you find in candles. You also have access to the magic through DSS, or the dual setup system. 20 magic cards split between actions and attributes. The actions are named after the gods and goddesses of Roman mythology, Mercury, Venus, etc. Attributes are named after the mystical beasts of the same era. You know, thunderbirds, griffins, salamanders. <laughs> the easiest cards to get is pretty much Mercury and Salamander up at 20% drop rates. The worst is the Uranus and Pluto, both about 0.5 on the candle enemy that you have like five seconds to destroy before it disappears. But the most painful would be the black dog and the unicorn cards which are only found at the end of a 17-room battle arena where you fight waves of enemies and beasts to win the best armor in the game and a 2.5% chance to get those two cards, all without access to your magic. However, if you do manage to hunt, kill, and destroy a castle worth of classic beasts, mystical monsters, and literal demons, and a pagan god, all before slamming your whip and cross-boomerang into the eyes of Dracula, you get to pass go to the next mode. There are no alternate characters to play as, even though Hugh would have been a basic palette swap with his similar abilities instead of your f Instead, you get four unlockable modes. The starting one is Vampire Killers, the most well-rounded. Every stat across the board is the same. Magician is where you get all 20 DSS cards up front, high MP and intelligence, but okay strength at about half your HP and defense. You essentially become a literal glass cannon with access to endgame level magic, Summoning a Thunderbird to zap everything out of existence was the best part of this mode. Next is Fighter Mode. With high strength, HP, and defense, 
You become a literal tank with a cannon for a whip. All at the cost of using zero magic. This mode right here makes going through Battle Arena a breeze. Then you have Shooter Mode. Same HP, Defense, and Strength as a Magician without any of the bonuses of magic. Instead you get 5 times the number of hearts and access to a homing dagger so all your sub-weapons come into play. Good luck. Finally you have the Thief Mode. You have crappy stats across the board except for one insanely high luck stat which is about 16 times anywhere in the past 4 modes, you only have rare drops to made less rare to survive here. Everything else is actively trying to kill you. Good luck. Now how long to beat this game? It's about 9 hours if you want to do the main story. The completionist is 17.5 hours. I want to say that completionist is probably just doing 100% on one playthrough. If you want to do about all 5 modes in one go, it might take you about 30 hours, give or take. Now sales. This game sold amazingly well. It sold about 890,000 units. This is possibly due to the following up of the Symphony of the Night, so lucky you, you get the tail end of coming off one of the highest and best known Castlevania games. Too bad the follow up didn't do nearly as well as this. Reception. People mostly liked this game. It was game rankings at 88%. Metacritic had it at 91%. The notable critiques were aimed at the dark visuals because essentially they were taking Symphony of the Night, putting on a GBA, they didn't realize they didn't have a backlight screen, so if you play this on like a GBA SP or any of the modern consoles, you're going to be set for life playing this game. Speaking of the modern day, in 2022, Konami! In a following of recent trends of making the maximum amount of money possible, created NFTs of various Castlevania images, including a portrait of main character Nathan Graves. That alone sold for just over $17,000. The highest in the Konami Castlevania auction was an artwork of the map of the original Castlevania game for about $26,500. Now, the one thing I know about NFTs, it's a game of literal hot potato, so I'm pretty sure if you really want it, you could buy it again. But just don't be caught holding the bag, you know? As for modern prices of this game, if you want it to play on the GBA, that's great. You can find it loose for about $29. If you want the box as well, it'll be $86. And if you want it brand new for whatever reason that may be, it'll be $375 on average. Or you can get it on every modern console right now for $20 in a collection with three other games. And they fix a lot of stuff in this collection update. You finally have access to a bestiary. It tells you what cards belong where, what enemies drop rare cards, and the ability to save as you can. Another thing about this game, if you wanted to play it on the original GBA, these save rooms are spread out. That means you have to trek across the map just to be able to save and turn off the game. So, good luck if you want to play it on there. Play it on the Switch, play it on the PS4, play it wherever you can on a big screen TV. It definitely holds up. The artwork is phenomenal. I'd say I recommend this game. You can enjoy it if you do like the Castlevania, Metroidvania gameplay style. Until then, I'm Chase. You can find... The Playcube Gamecast on Facebook, Instagram, mostly Instagram. Sometimes Twitter, 
a little bit on Facebook, depends on how it goes on Instagram. But depending on how this does, I might do the entire three game series on the GBA. Who knows? We'll see you next time. Have a good night.